Hi everyone, welcome back to a new season of the Smart Pharmacist podcast series. My name is Jim, and today we're going to be interviewing Sertina Ho. Sertina is a lecturer at the University of Toronto, as well as the Director of Community Pharmacy Reporting and Learning at ISMP Canada. She was one of the brainchilds that originally created ISMP Canada's Community Pharmacy Incident Reporting Program, and most importantly, she also happens to be my boss. So welcome to the podcast, Sertina. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Jim. By the way, I don't see myself as your boss. I think I'm more like a colleague or a friend, but most one of your mentors in pharmacy. I'm a graduate of the Leslie Dan Faculty of Pharmacy, University of Toronto. At the faculty, I'm the course coordinator of a year three elective course for PharmD students on patient medication safety. I'm also oversee the um, non-direct patient care advanced pharmacy practice experience or API rotations of year four PharmD students at the University of Toronto. At the Institute for Safe Medication Practices Canada, or ISC Canada, my primary responsibility is on medication safety initiatives related to community pharmacy practice, as well as medication incident reporting and analysis. I also maintain my direct patient care practice at a community pharmacy in Toronto. Terrific. So very busy individual. And somehow throughout all this, you found the time to conduct a big seven-year study on medication incidents reported by community pharmacies in Nova Scotia. Now, seven years is quite a bit of time. How exactly was all of that data collected? Yeah, it's a very long time. And first, I have to say that I did not do it myself. Um, there's a lot of collaboration with uh, students, my colleagues and analysts at ISM Canada, and also some researchers in Nova Scotia as well. Uh, the ISM Canada Community Pharmacy Incident Reporting Program, or CIFR as the acronym, was developed in 2009. And it has been receiving medication incidents from community pharmacies since 2010. The seven-year study that was recently published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal, or CMAJ Open Journal, was based on a retrospective analysis conducted on medication incidents reported from 301 Nova Scotia community pharmacies, occurring between October 2010 and June 2017. We performed a descriptive analysis on incidents with respect to discoverer, basically who found or discovered the incidents, patient outcome, medication system stages involved, and the type of incidents. We also conducted a qualitative multi-incident analysis on incidents associated with patient harm. During the seven-year period, a total of 131,031 incidents were reported, 98,097 of which were related to medications. We generally recommended both quantitative and qualitative incident analysis, as they offer a complementary approach to guide quality improvement initiatives in pharmacy practice. So for our listeners, um, can you provide a bit more of the background on this program and just how you came up with the idea for this type of program? Um, I think I would like to start with the Canadian Medication Incident Reporting and Prevention System, or CMERPS, as the acronym. CMERPS is a collaborative pan-Canadian program of Health Canada, the Canadian Institute for Health Information, or CIHI, CAIHI, the Institute for Safe Medication Practices Canada, or ISP Canada, and the Canadian Patient Safety Institute, or CPSI. The goal of CMERPS is to reduce and prevent harmful medication incidents in Canada. In other words, reporting, sharing, and learning about medication incidents will help reduce their reoccurrence and help create a safer healthcare system. Within CMERPS, ISMB Canada provides the Individual Practitioner Reporting, or IPR, system, the National Incident Data Repository for Community Pharmacies, and SafeMedicationUse.ca for Consumer Reporting. 
The ISMP Canada Community Pharmacy Incident Reporting Program, or CMR, or CFER program, contributes to the CMRF's National Incident Data Repository for community pharmacies. Community pharmacies in several provinces are already contributing to this national repository for continuous quality improvement, and pharmacies in other provinces are considering participation in this effort as well. The repository is helping to create a more cohesive information sharing system that will facilitate better understanding of medication incidents and the development of robust strategies to prevent harm. So for most community pharmacies, uh, especially those from a chain that have a head office, they'll typically have some sort of reporting protocol or reporting program in place for critical incidents that may occur at the pharmacy. Now, how would this reporting protocol or program be different than reporting to the CMRP's National Incident Data Repository for Community Pharmacies, the one you just mentioned? Well, let's start with an introduction to Continuous Quality Improvement, or CQI. The CQI starts with anonymous reporting of medication incidents, which include neomysis and incidents that have reached the patient. Reporting won't be meaningful unless it is followed by analysis, which I'll elaborate later. Throughout the analysis process, you should be able to identify the causes or the potential contributing factors of the incidents, and as a team, you would then look for solution development within your practice setting. After then, an action plan should be in place, and you would try to prioritize and implement the solutions according to effectiveness and feasibility at the practice setting. Continuous Quality Improvement, or CQI, is an ongoing and iterative process. Therefore, reporting is just a starting point, and the goal is to learn from the incidents and share the learning with your team going forward. I want to clarify for our listeners, uh, when, you, when you talk about continuous quality improvement and reporting for CQI, would that be sort of the same thing as adverse drug reaction reporting to Health Canada, or is that a different process? It is not exactly the same. As some of you may be aware, under Vanessa's law, the reporting of serious adverse drug reactions, or ADRs, and medical device incidents, MDIs, to Health Canada is mandatory for hospitals. The medication incidents, that is, mistakes with medications, are reported through a separate and complementary program, that is, the Canadian Medication Incident Reporting and Prevention System, or CMRPS, which I mentioned earlier. Analysis and shared learning from these reports do contribute to achieving the goal of providing safer healthcare and health products to Canadians. Okay, thank you for that clarification. So, once a pharmacy collects all of this uh, data, this data for uh, continuous quality improvement, these medication incidents, what can they do with it? Um, can you dive into how a pharmacy team, on a practical basis, can approach all of this data and make some sense out of it? Well, let's move on and discuss about some common approaches to medication incident analysis. I mentioned earlier that I would talk about analysis. And I would like to refer uh, the audience or listeners to a resource published by the Canadian Patient Safety Institute, or CPSI, the Canadian Incident Analysis Framework. It provides the details of the various ways in conducting incident analysis. Analysis prioritization may include the degree of harm of the incident, the frequency of occurrence, or the likelihood of reoccurrence of the incident. I'd like to emphasize the importance of having a holistic approach to medication incident reporting and analysis for the purpose of shared learning. Most of the time, we may focus on the number of incidents reported or the quantitative analysis and look for the trends of errors. However, if you identify the need to perform further analysis, consider conducting an individual analysis or a multi-instant analysis. Great explanation. I think providing this background knowledge is really important for our listeners because it's important to understand 
what happens to data that's collected, especially in this modern age of having huge amounts of information in front of you, it's not always clear what you have, to, what you can do with that data. Um, and sometimes when you have a very large data set, it's very challenging and daunting to know what to do and how to filter out just exactly what's important. Absolutely agree. Well, we decided to look at the seven-year incident data collected from Nova Scotia community pharmacies. Um, we did spend some time to perform a quick scan and review of the data before settling on an analysis approach. After all, it's a total of over 131,000 incidents. And as I mentioned earlier, 98,000 of which were related to medication. So we did have to sit down and think through it and see what's the best approach uh, to analyze and learn from these data. So on that note, um, now that we went over the background a little bit of how the data is collected and what's done with that data, let's actually get into some of the results from the seven-year study from Nova Scotia. I'm curious to know myself, after seven years of reporting, what were some of the trends we saw in medication safety in Nova Scotia? Sure. The seven-year study of Nova Scotia Community Pharmacies revealed that 82% of the medication incidents were caught before reaching the patient. In other words, the majority of incidents were considered near misses or no-harm incidents. Less than 1% were associated with patient harm. Incidents occurred most frequently during the order entry, which is around 60%, followed by prescription preparation and dispensing stage, around 30%, and then prescribing, which is around 9%. Pharmacists discovered the largest portion of the incidents, around 75%, followed by pharmacy technicians and assistants, about 10%, and then by patient, again around 10%. Medications conveying a higher risk of harm include, no surprise, opioids, antipsychotics, and anticoagulants. Essentially, reporting incidents provides valuable information to help strengthen medication safety in community pharmacies. And just speaking on my background experience working in community, the high-risk or the higher-risk medication groups like opioids, antipsychotics, and anticoagulants, I think these are all common medications. And a lot of times, incidents do occur with these medications. They're very complex. So it's not surprising to me that these were the uh, medication groups that were captured by the study. Now, these are very interesting numbers. Um, I've had an insider look at the data before, and I happen to know that some pharmacies reported more than others. Now, would that skew the data set? Yes, possibly. Um, the, the mean number of reported incidents for each pharmacy during the study period was 326, with a huge stun deviation of 439. There was a large variability between pharmacies, with a range of 1 all the way to 2,800 incidents reported per pharmacy over the study period of 7 years. We found that 10%, that is about 30, of the pharmacies accounted for 43%, which is almost 42,000 of all reported incidents. So likely that um, some of the incident or data may be skewed. I guess because, like you said, continuous quality improvement is an iterative process. It's something that's voluntary, and it's hard to get a true sense of all of the incidents that occur because pharmacies have to voluntarily offer up this data. Um, but this demonstrates the value of reporting. Um, if we were able to get this much data from just, you know, 10% of highly engaged pharmacies, I'm sure the data would be even more robust if more pharmacies were engaged. I definitely agree with you, Jim. Underreporting is still an issue. However, as more provinces are going to be engaged in medication incident reporting, there are more we can learn from our near misses and mistakes. So I know that this study also provided some great qualitative 
results that dived into high-level recommendations that can be implemented into pharmacies to prevent similar errors that occurred in the study. But I think for today, that's all the time we have on our podcast. So if anyone would like to learn more about this study, the poster is available on ISMP Canada's website at www.ismp-canada.org. Thank you again to Certino for taking the time to sit down with us today and go over the study on our podcast. Thank you, Jim.